Where were you when? Every generation has its where were you when question about some cultural seismic event that happens. Where were you when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon? Where were you when you heard that John F. Kennedy or Martin Luther King Jr. had been shot and killed? Where were you when you heard about Columbine? Where were you on 9-11? Some of these examples predate a few of us, but we all have a new example of this question that we share. Where were you when you first realized that this coronavirus was for real? Moments like this are big. They change things. There's no going back. Our culture shifts. Our lives are never the same. Ultimately, many of these tend to be negative events, catastrophes, or tragedies. They strike with no warning, and they introduce into our lives a new sense of uncertainty. This sounding familiar? Welcome to 2020. Yikes, what a year. Has there ever been a year that's been filled with more certainly uncertainty, at least in our lifetime? This one has to rank on the top 10 of all unexpected happenings and uncertain events due to its ongoing uncertainty. We don't know when this will end. You can write a sci-fi novel or a movie straight out of the headlines from this year. You know what's on the list. We've all been living it for almost a full year now. Global pandemic, economic recession, mass unemployment, political division, cultural upheaval, racial reckoning, record wildfires, extra powerful hurricanes, floods, and more. Now, if this is not the official word of the year, it probably should be, doom scrolling. It's perfectly fitting that this word has ended our lexicon this year. You know what it is? It's scrolling through your phone news feed or your social media, looking at the headlines, which are almost always negative. We've probably all done it, but hopefully we've caught ourselves in this practice and we've learned to limit our doom scrolling, especially before bed. But doing so, it's, it's enough to sink anyone into depression. And I'm not trying to bring us down here, actually quite the opposite, but this is the reality that we've all been living through for quite some time now. It's been a tough year. And if there's ever a year that we need Christmas, it's this year. If there's ever a year that we need the hope of Christmas, 2020 is that year. If there's ever a year we need Christ, my friends, this is that year. And it's a good thing we've made it to this place, to Advent, nearly to Christmas. Advent is a season that's really all about hope. And the word itself, Advent, means coming or arrival. And this season is traditionally a time of expectation, of waiting, of anticipation, and longing. But Advent's not just an extension of Christmas. I know all the movies are on, but this is a season in and of itself. It's a season that connects the past, the present, and the future. See, Advent offers us the opportunity to share in that ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah to celebrate his birth, and then to be alert for his second coming. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus' coming, while at the same time looking forward in hope and eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. 
During Advent, we wait for both. It's an active, assured, and hopeful waiting. But far too often, our Christmases become frenzied and overwhelmingly busy. We pack our schedules with so many seasonal happenings. The stores start back in October, pushing Christmas decor and merchandise and fueling a gift-buying rush. And so this season, which is supposed to be one of peace, quickly is overloaded and becomes a season of stress. But we have this year and this Advent an opportunity to set all of that aside. Advent's a time for us to prepare our hearts and a place our focus on a far greater story than our own, the story of God's redeeming love for our world. This is not a season of pretending to be happy or covering up any pain or hardships we've been experiencing or continue to experience this year. It's a season of digging deep into the reality of what it means that God sent God's Son into the world to be Emmanuel, God with us. It's a season of expectation, preparation, an opportunity to align ourselves with God's presence much more than a season of merely hectic gift-giving. So wherever you are in your 2020 level of anxiety and uncertainty, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, today I want to invite you to join me in this season of Advent. I'd like to even suggest that in the craziness and uncertainty of this pandemic, we've been given a gift. We've been given an opportunity to rediscover Christmas. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be exploring the attributes of Christ encapsulated in his birth during this Advent season. Hope, peace, joy, love. And on Christmas Eve, of course, we'll celebrate the arrival of Jesus, the Christ. Today, we begin with rediscovering the hope of Christmas, even when we are surrounded by uncertainty. Now, the first thing that hope does is that it sees beyond our current situation. Hope is the fuel of faith and dreams and possibilities. Hope is that whisper of maybe, just maybe. It's the spark in the cold darkness that catches flame. It's the flicker of first light on a new morning. No matter how bad your year has been, no matter what kind of problems or struggling you're facing right now, no matter what kind of season of darkness and pain you might be in, let me encourage you, never abandon hope. Hope is still alive even in our deepest pain and most hopeless circumstances. Hope chases away the darkness and uncertainty. Hope is alive because God is with us. Now, Romans chapter 8 is a very well-known chapter of the Bible. It's one of my favorites. And there's a section that gets overlooked pretty often. In chapter 8 of Romans, Paul starts off by clarifying that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He goes on to explain that our relationship is as God's children and that what it looks like for us to live by God's Spirit. And then Paul shifts to our future when God will fulfill God's work in us and restore all of creation. Verses 24 through 26, Paul says this, For in this hope we were saved. 
But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Let me reread part of that again. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? You see, my brothers and sisters, hope exists before reality comes to pass. You can hope with all of your heart that the Cowboys will beat the Ravens this Thursday. You can think about it. You can expect it. You can tell yourself to keep believing that it's going to happen. You can hope against the odds that this time things will be different. And as soon as the Cowboys win, hope is done. There's no need for it. You can't hoping it will happen because God willing, it will already have happened. Hope precedes our present reality. Hope by its very nature exists in the uncertainty before. It exists in questions and doubts even. And that unclear sense of what is to come. But hope is the willingness and desire to believe beyond what our present circumstances and reality are presenting to us. Secondly, remember God is with us, here, now, and always. Friends, with God there is no uncertainty. God knows your pain, your challenges, and your struggles. God was not taken by surprise when the coronavirus mutated, spread, and went global. God was not surprised when the economy froze and shrunk. God was not surprised when you or your loved one received that dreaded diagnosis or that call in the middle of the night or heard those words that broke your heart or shattered your world or left you in uncertainty. God sees you and God is here. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And this hope God delivers, this hope God embodies and fulfilled and brought into the world so long ago. And this is the hope that God offers us today. Now, this is not a hope that God dangles before us, taunting us just out of our reach. This is not a hope that God demands of us that we conjure in the middle of our struggle in life's worst moments. Rather, this is a hope that God infuses within us. It is a hope filled and fanned within us by the Holy Spirit, even in our weakness even in our grim circumstance and deepest pain, when the faintest gleam of hope seems too far away or so impossible, when we feel too weak to carry on, when we feel our grasp slipping on even the ability to try and hope, remember God's Spirit is within us. The Holy Spirit helps us to restore hope by reminding us of God's faithfulness and promises. The Holy Spirit leads us into God's word, scripture, and it's reminders of all the things that God has done for us and all of the things that God has promised to do. You see, our God, Emmanuel, who is with us, has promised God's people throughout history and today messages of hope, including these. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope 
and a future. It's from Jeremiah 29. And from Isaiah chapter 43, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Can you feel the hope leaping from these words? We're not alone. Even in our loneliest and darkest moments, Christ has come. Our God is with us every step of the way. Finally, hope inspires us to carry on. The Apostle Paul described a cycle of hope in this way. In Romans 5, he explains that because of Jesus, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This hope that comes from God's Spirit will not put us to shame. It will not let us down. It will not disappoint us. Instead, God's Spirit gives us new strength to see beyond the pain and confusion in front of us. This empowering that hope has in our lives reminds me of a a really wonderful story from this terrible COVID-19 pandemic. Perhaps you all remember hearing about Captain Tom In all the doom and gloom of the pandemic, Captain Tom rose as a hero and an unlikely hero at that. Tom Moore, now Captain Sir Tom Moore, since he was knighted by the Queen of England, is the 100-year-old man who single-handedly raised 40 million pounds for the British healthcare system. What started as a challenge from his son-in-law that he would give him one pound for every lap around his garden he took, went viral when Tom's daughter posted the campaign on an online charity site. The news spread quickly and suddenly this World War II veteran, gripping his walker, wearing a navy blue blazer decorated with his military medals, walking around his garden, became a national hero. Captain Tom is an inspiration. It's an incredible story and he says that After the pandemic is over at 100, he wants to travel the world. It's a great lesson here in this story. Listen to what he told reporters. He said, the first step was the hardest. He walked 100 laps around his garden with his walker. The first step was the hardest. After that, I got into the swing of things and just kept on going. The first step was the hardest. Isn't that true of so many things in our lives? Isn't that true about hope? It can be so difficult to lift up our downcast, tear-filled eyes to look for that tiny spark of hope when we feel swallowed by our pain. It can seem so difficult to reach beyond our troubles to grasp our Lord's outstretched hand. It can feel so impossible to take that first step towards hope when we're weighed down by all of our burdens. And yet, when we embrace the promise of hope in God's word, 
we find new strength. When we accept the power of hope granted to us by God's spirit, we find new inspiration. When we focus on the hope and the birth and life and death and resurrection and eternity of Jesus, we'll discover a new strength to take that first step. And then the next, and to keep on stepping and walking and maybe even running one step at a time. Hope inspires us. Hope emboldens us. Hope builds upon hope and keeps us going no matter what. And so my brothers and sisters, what's the next step of hope for you today? How will you engage hope and walking in it during this season of Advent? So often we humans want to know what's gonna happen tomorrow. We wanna know the future. We wanna skip to the end of the story, but our lives don't work like that. It's not a privilege that we've been granted, but in Christ, we are given the end of the ultimate story. In Christ, we've been given the true life that transcends the pain of earth and the brokenness of this world. In this Advent season, we can find hope and the arrival and life of Jesus. We can draw hope from God's faithfulness and fulfilling God's long-awaited promise of the Messiah. We can focus on the hope of God's continued work in and all around us that will one day take away even the very need for hope as we realize the full reality of God's restoration. And in the middle of whatever life is throwing at us, we can experience the hope of God's spirit within us, carrying us, strengthening us, emboldening us, and giving us strength to take the next step before us. Friends, my invitation to you is to take a step towards hope in this Advent season. Hope is dawning. Christ is coming. Christ is returning again. Let's welcome in into our hearts and lives every day in this season of expectation and hope. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.